another edition of Megan Fun of Sports. We are recording this thing on Tuesday, April 26th. It is hitting your airways on Wednesday, April 27th. It is draft week, baby. But before we get into all of our podcast news, I have to bring you guys some very exciting news. Our girl, Megan Gailey, my podcast wife, my co-host. I feel like sometimes Eddie is our brother slash fatherly figure in the world of podcasting. She had her baby. She had a boy, baby Conrad. He was born in to the world on Monday evening. He was seven pounds, 15 ounces, 20 and a half inches long, much smaller than that, than we all expected. Megan is feeling great. Um, she did not poop herself, for those of you who are wondering. And we think Harry may have won this bet again. But before we really dive into this betting analysis, I just have to say I'm pissed off at this fucking doctor because this doctor told all of us that this baby was well over eight pounds. We had that inside information. You all who are listening to this show had that inside information and we used it to place our bet. And I was audibly laughing at everybody on Extra Points who was tweeting that Megan's baby was gonna be seven pounds. I was like, they clearly don't listen. They don't know. This is easy money for Eddie and I. And her damn baby was seven pounds, 15 ounces. What the fuck? Wait, seven pounds. Oh, yeah, seven pounds, 15 ounces. Right. And I was about eight pounds. Seven, I said 8.7, I think, for the uh, Reggie Wayne, Sidney Crosby number. I know yep. you went over nine. Um, but what I will say, what I was I was shocked at how tall uh, baby Conrad is, 20 and a half inches. I think I said 19 for Johnny Unitas. So tall but thin baby, I think it's probably the best case scenario for uh, – for Megan there, but uh, and also obviously, congrats to Megan. It's absolutely uh, awesome. I'm so happy that the baby's healthy. I mean, what a week, what a stretch of time for Megan, who I feel like was pregnant for. She was pregnant a long time. It felt like it was like two years, uh, <laughs> although we haven't been doing this podcast for two years. But like, think about like what a warrior, man, to go through like doing this pod, her other pods, or like her job, and then just to like obviously just life stuff being pregnant uh, and and you know doing without without a complaint. Uh, really, round of applause to Megan. Uh, Absolutely, stuff and her, her baby came out with a head full of hair, and now we know exactly why she had this terrible heartburn because the baby is a, like just full of hair, and that's what they say. They say the hair causes the heartburn. Um, we are so happy for Megan. We are so happy for CJ. She is, I think, coming home from the hospital either today or tomorrow. Um, but yeah, she feels good. She thought for sure she was going to have a C-section, and she didn't. She had that thing all on her own. So. Let's go, Megan. We are we are very proud of you. She told me she was in labor for 16 hours, and before she left us, she said she would rather give birth than run a marathon. I only had to be in pain for three hours. Now, she was in pain for 16. I think I would take the marathon over giving childbirth. Uh, that's that's a no. How um, three hours to run it, and then how? What's your like? You know, time to feel fully normal again after running. Is it still less than her 16 hour ordeal? Like you said, you have three hours running. Are you feeling sore for another three hours, or is it a full day? I mean, my, my legs, like, they still kind of hurt now. They don't feel, like, normal. But, oh, wow. I mean, it's like it's like I can walk. I can do things. Like, she was in pain for 16 hours having contractions. Yeah. That sounds a whole lot worse than running a marathon. I, I, I'd agree. I'd side with the marathon. I'm with you. Um, the thing is, Harry might have won again, which is, like, ridiculous because he bet my exact time for my marathon. And we think, we don't know for sure, we think he bet – the closest to the weight of Megan's baby. Now, I don't want to rip on Harry too much because this is his wedding week. And if he does win the money, you're welcome, Harry. Megan and I now do not have to get you a wedding gift. So, 
Harry might have won again, but someone needs to examine this inside information that Harry has because he's been able to predict the future with these past two bets. Harry, everything's coming up. Harry, it's the week of Harry, obviously, with the wedding uh, culminating this on, on Saturday, and everyone gives him a rough time on the uh, the interwebs here making fun of his picks and stuff but uh and i know that you know lately the brother bry i think has been the hottest d3 member in terms of uh of winning there but i think the you know, the tide may be turning it may be the summer of harry uh you know we have a couple betting uh stuff coming up this week on ep here with the race to 10 as one and a few other so if, if they you know if harry does fine uh i'm not gonna be shocked if he's gonna be the new leader in the clubhouse harry it's yeah quite a week he's got the wedding is the wedding in vegas no, uh, no okay. the wedding is in is in Scottsdale. It's okay, at, uh, I was concerned because I was like, he can't have his wedding in Vegas the week of the draft. I mean, the draft being there, like obviously all the gambling aspects. It's just no, it would be it would be crazy. But so yeah, it's going to be uh, at Ken's house in uh, in Scottsdale. It's going to be a good time. And the whole Extra Points crew is going, so we will have updates. You can also place bets on the Extra Points website. Go to Extra Points slash Arcade. There's all kinds of prop bets on. Harry's wedding. Who's going to cry? Who's going to catch the garter? Eddie, I put no one to catch the garter. So if the garter comes anywhere near you, just fucking run. Um, because I want to get a gold hat. I still have one. Uh, I could give you some inside info on that. Yeah, I, I won't be anywhere near the, the garter. And, okay. uh, you know, we recorded minus three and we did our NHL segment, me and Mikey Meatballs. And I was like, hey, Meatballs, like, you know, me and you are on this uh, EPRK list. Like, are you going to try to run up there and you know do you know, we're friends with the glue girl you're gonna put glue on your own hands and try to yeah. snag that garter and win it but he said he won't be anywhere near the garter and he won't be in a position to, to let anyone put glue or any adhesive on his hands he wants to stay as far as way so i feel like if you go against either of us winning you could probably at least get one answer right all right i put no garter to be thrown in okay. general at all but I, I still have time to change it um we're going to talk all things NFL. We have a guest on the show, Tim Graham, who is a draft expert who does not do mock drafts. And I sort of just lied to you. He's not a draft expert, but he is very good friends with the one and only Amish draft expert named Eli Yoder. Tim is going to give us Eli's mock draft. It's very, very fashion fascinating and impressive then an Amish man is able to put together this draft with the limited access to computers and technology that he has. Um, but before we do that, we're going to get into some of the best bets that I really like, and they relate to the draft. I've heard this one a lot of places, which makes me a little timid, but I really like the over on cor cornerbacks taken in the first round. The number is set at four and a half, plus 120 odds. I've seen it a little too much now, so I'm starting to maybe turn on it, but this is one I've had circled for a couple days. I like the Bucks. They were favored by 10 points against the Bulls in tomorrow night's game. However, Zach Levine has just enter, entered COVID protocols, so that number should change. I don't care what it is. I'm betting the Bucks. And then I'm very tempted to take the Raptors. They're one and a half point underdogs on Thursday against Philly. I know Philly's great, but this whole Embiid situation that he has going on, he needs surgery, can't have it done. I think it's going to affect Philly. Um, and I think the Raptors could extend to this one. Uh, I'll throw out a couple of best bets there too, draft related ones. And, um, I'll start with this one. I, I think the first receiver taken is going to be Drake London. He's plus 250. Um, I believe he's not the favorite. I believe the favorite right now is Garrett Wilson. If you're looking on FanDuel, I think Drake London, what sets him apart is the size. I think that the Jets could be in play, especially if Debo Samuel is not 
on the move to New York. I think Drake London's the guy they want a big body guy, especially because they have uh, Elijah Moore there. So I think he's the first receiver taken the draft. Also first player picked uh, at cornerback. I like Derek Stingley. Again, the favorite's going to be Sauce Gardner. But there's been some late buzz about Stingley being the first one taken. Also rumored to the Jets. Uh, I think it's partially to do with his LSU pedigree. Obviously, the combine went well for him uh, in terms of the the you know interviews and all the, the team meetings and stuff. So he is making a late push. A lot of late push lately, obviously, with Trayvon Walker. Last week was not the odds on favorite. Now is on every book to go first overall, which is something I did say on minus three. And another bet I like, too, because they're helping us out here, like they moved the over under the slot for where Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett, too, for that matter, to be drafted both at uh, 12 and a half. And I just yeah, I just don't see them lasting that long, either of them. Um, I think also we're going to see three quarterbacks, uh, at least in the first round. I think Sam Howell will sneak in. Yeah. Uh, I think Sam Howell's talent for what he showed in the past has been too good, and teams won't pass it up. He throws a great deep ball. They trust Mac Brown in the system. Anyway, different different bet, different discussion. 12 and a half. So, like, I, I saw I mean, some information today that uh, I think Schefter had retweeted it that they seem to believe that the sixth overall pick is going to have a lot of attention. A lot of teams are looking to trade up to six specifically sure. to get a quarterback. There's too many teams that need a quarterback that, and also teams that have multiple picks to move up, like the Lions. If they don't take him at two, and I, have, I know I've been pushing that bet, they probably won't take him at two, but I, I, you know, I tried. Who cares? But they have another pick in the first round. They'll use it to package up and move forward. You have the Falcons there at eight. Like you said, the sixth pick with the Panthers. Like There's a team that might want to slide in there. They need a quarterback. It's, it's, it's well known. Uh, Kevin Colbert, who is, I guess, still with the Steelers for the time being, he made a comment in the media, and he literally said the Giants pick by name. He said, well, look, you know, we're at 20, but look all the way up to seven. Seven's the Giants pick. The Giants have five and seven. I would not be shocked the Giants said, like, hey, Steelers, you know, also, you know, the, the Rooney-Mara connection there. Like, they're friends. They'll be like, sure, come come up here, take Kenny Pickett, take Malik Willis, because by 20, they won't be there. So I, I, there's too many teams that, we, that can move out and be trade partners, I, or even if the teams like the Falcons or the um, – the Panthers stand pad 12 and a half. It's just, it's just way too high. Right, so we are betting the under on that. Yeah. Everybody, Eddie's betting it. I'm betting it. I like the over on four and a half cornerbacks. That's going to be my two picks for draft night. That's it. And then I'm, I'm doing NBA because I've had a lot of luck lately with the NBA. So I'm going to keep riding that. NHL bets going well for you? Uh, you know, it's, it's a tough time to bet. If you want to bet on, you know, the, um, the, the games each night, you could do that. I know like, uh, cause the, the problem is now a lot of guys, a lot of teams are setting guys because they okay, already have their, so this their, is not their, the time to get their, into their hockey pro- betting. I would say that you, if you want to focus on, on the betting, you want to focus on the, the teams that are, they're like in playoff contention. Um, so like, uh, for example, let's throw out this, like on a Wednesday night, we have uh, like Vegas is playing the versus Chicago. Chicago is not very good. Vegas basically needs to win out. Like I would put uh, anything. You want to go money line? You want to go Vegas laying the goal, the goal and a half, maybe two and a half goals. I would bet them. Same thing with Dallas. Dallas in the playoff hunt, they have to actually go ahead of Vegas. They're at home versus Arizona. They probably will be giving two two and a half goals. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go on the stars and the money line or give them the goals, that's fine too. Like those are teams that you want to focus on the need to win. Uh, LA's in Seattle on a Wednesday night and like the Kings right now are in a playoff spot. This is another team I like too. That's, that's playing really well, really pesky team. So like I, I be weary of who's benching, who who's changing up lines, like resting guys before the playoffs, 
But um, the teams that are kind of on the cusp, the teams that are holding off of the teams, those ones you could you could uh, kind of hone in on. Also, the teams I just said, the matchups, Seattle stinks, Chicago stinks, Arizona stinks, like three of the four worst teams in the NHL. So those are easy bets to place. All right. So we got everybody set with our best bets for the week. Everybody make some money on the draft, make some money on the NHL, and make some money on the NBA playoffs. I want to introduce a new segment that we're going to try to do every week. It's called Megan's Mor- Moron of the Week where I just talk about things or people I saw or things I experienced that were very moronic. So I have two this week, and Eddie, I'll give you a chance to respond because one I think is gonna be a little near and dear to heart, and you are probably more of an expert on this topic, certainly more than I am. And the other one, I think everyone will just agree with me. So I have been trying to change my name. The number one question I get in life is what the hell is your name? Because my name was Megan O'Brien and then I got engaged and then I got a new job and my name turned into Megan Morant and everybody thought that was my married name. And then I got married and my name turned into Megan Connolly. So people are very confused about what my name is. Are you still O'Brien? Is your husband's name Morant? Where did Connolly come from? All kinds of questions. So I'm trying to officially change my name to Megan Connolly and it is a process. The first thing you have to do is um, go to social security because you have to get a new social security card. So finally, after talking about changing my name for seven months now, um, I decided this week is the week I'm actually gonna do it. I took passport pictures. I got all of my documents together. I was ready to go. I got to social security as soon as they opened at 9 a.m. and the line was already out the door around the block in Florida. Everybody is waiting outside. It's about 94 degrees with 80% humidity. So hot. So we're waiting, we're waiting, and I keep trying to wave down a security guard asking him, hey, do I have to wait in this line? I just need to send all of the things over to, uh, to change my name. And the guy says, yes. And another guy says, I'll be right back. So I'm waiting and I've been here for two hours and I've only moved a little bit. So a security guard comes outside, gets on the megaphone speaker and says, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, I just have to make an announcement. I'm so, we apologize for the long wait. We are understaffed and gets off the megaphone. And that is my moron of the week because it's like, Dude, we know, we know you're understaffed. There's a four hour line to do anything at this place. And you come out two hours into the, into the wait and just make an announcement to tell us all we're understaffed. I, I just had to, had to vent for a moment there about him, but he goes on as my moron of the week and my second moron of the week. I went to a concert last night, very great concert, this band called Houndmouth. They're awesome, they love playing together, smaller venue. And Eddie, you've been to a lot of concerts. You're a big music guy. Something I will never understand. You can do like the one video, right? Like you, they're playing your favorite song. Hold the phone up. You get a little video. Do we need 17 videos of a concert? When are you ever going to sit there and watch this video? Or if you go to show a friend, hey, look at this video that I got of me at this concert. Your friend does not care. Your friend does not want to listen. So people taking videos at concerts, you're morons. Stop. I uh, cannot be with you more on that, especially it's always hilarious, too, when people go to these concerts, especially these big, bigger name concerts. And they're sitting in like, you know, like the, the lights or like the rafters, like where the retired jerseys are. It's like, oh, thanks for sharing that picture <laughs> on your social media that you're 10,000 feet away. We could see the speck on stage. And then reversely, if you do have great seats, and you want to take some pictures. T- 
totally fine. Go take your pictures. You know, I want to take it with the, when they first come out on stage and they're, they're playing a popular song. Like you have the right if they're letting you use cell phones, which a lot of bands now don't. A lot of bands take them away. Uh, Jack White, uh, Tool is another example of bands that do not let you have uh, phones out. They can kick you out. But um, I, I like you take, you know, one song, whatever. Sure. But to record a two-hour concert, and it's like, what are you going to do? You're going to upload this whole thing to YouTube for everyone else to watch? Like, I know people do record stuff for, like, bootleg purposes to listen, but it is quite annoying, especially if the person behind you is shorter and you're blocking with your giant phone screen. And it's just, like, just be respectful of people who you're around. Like, do your quick pictures. Don't put your arms up and, and put the phone down because no one wants to see the looking at the stage through screen. So I, I feel if you're on that one, it's, it's quite quite annoying uh, to see that at a concert. I'm okay with the pictures. I am 100% okay with it. Post your picture wherever you want to be. Take your picture. I'm okay with it. For me, it's the holding up your phone to record them doing a song that you love. Okay, maybe do it once, get a couple seconds of it, but then put your phone down and experience it. Watch them perform it. That's why Absolutely. you're there. Because the people on social media, they're not at the concert. And that you know the quality is just it's never as good i i don't like the, the videos at the concert to me please stop please stop um do you have any morons of the week i i do have a it's a yeah i do it's more of a group of people uh and i could be quick on this one are you talking about the against all odds guys you can gossip uh, to us. no <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> And I, I, I'm not trying to get it. It's not trying to be a, it's not a political stance or statement, but it's just over this whole Elon Musk buying Twitter thing. Oh, and yeah. those folks, the group of people who are like, well, life as we know, it's ending. It's like, all right, let's let's take a couple steps back here. Take a breather. because Let's realize that, number one, like Twitter is in real life. And number two, uh, clearly, in terms of the financials of the business, wasn't really doing well uh, for con- considering how other social media platforms do. So I don't think him doing this business deal and him wanting to buy it is going to change your life that dramatically. Like uh, going on and on about a social media platform. Like how about this? Like put the phone down, close your laptop. <laughs> Go outside, experience life, like get out of this echo chamber. Uh, it does make me laugh that all of these people are tweeting about how they're going to get off Twitter. Like, just go. Like, just yeah, go. thanks for announcing it. It's it, it just like, who are you? And like, no one cares. Like, it just, it, people go on there for like sports news or whatever else. Like, it, that's, that's all it's for. Like, stop acting like it's real life. Stop acting like it matters. It will not affect your life. Like, I, I hope, honestly, that he just deletes it like he just deletes it he buys it and deletes it and none of us could use this place to argue with each other um so to me it's not you know those people who are saying it's going to ruin their lives are morons my moron of the week um but it's it's also kind of like a psa of like just stop taking social media seriously i know there was a time when i think it was i don't know like five or six months ago when instagram was down for a while and i was really hoping that it just never came back (laughs) i'm so so addicted to it i'm like it needs to go because i am so addicted. Well, hey, the first step, the, the first step is admitting it. I know, so, I know. I, I, I'm admitting right now I have a problem. I am addicted. Oh, and then I am also another moron because I signed up for another marathon because that's what I do because I am an addict and I am not smart. So I did sign up for another marathon today. So um, that was Megan's moron of the week. All right, Eddie, let's dive into what we're all here for. It's draft week. The NFL draft is in Las Vegas. This was two years in the making. The draft in Vegas was supposed to be here in 2020, and then the world ended, and we had to have a draft live from Roger Goodell's house. 
where I think it was he had the M&Ms and Mr. Personality just announced all of the picks for us. It was a truly magical time. It was one of the only times I think we've all liked Roger Goodell because it was the first time we didn't have like all Zoom boxes on our screens and we had like an actual person. It was it was so different. Um, so we all liked Roger Goodell during that draft and then obviously the world came back to normal and we realized we don't like him anymore. The draft goes to Cleveland. Now they are in Vegas. I think that this is going to actually make players want to show up because around the draft, it used to be, I feel like a bigger thing, a lot a lot more players would go and be there with their family. You'd have the camera in the room, you'd get to see their reaction, they'd go on stage, they'd get their hat. I feel like the last five or so years, less and less players seem to go and they just say, you know what, I'm cool. I'm gonna have my family over, I'm gonna have my friends over and you can set up your little camera, ESPN, NFL Network, whatever you want but we're gonna do our thing, we'll get the call and we'll just celebrate here. We, we don't need to go to wherever the draft is. I think now that it's in Vegas, this changes things because Vegas is, it's like Hollywood on steroids. I mean, this is, this is so much fun for these players, but it's also a little dangerous. Oh, well, de yeah, it's definitely dangerous. I, I, you definitely, the player agents, like when it's in Cleveland or wherever, you know, they're like, oh yeah, you'll be, you'll be fine. But now it's in Vegas. They're probably like on a way shorter leash right now. Also funny to think that it could be maybe the first time, uh, like as adults that the, some of these players have been to, uh, Sin City. Uh, I don't know each of every one of their bios, but it, it could be possible. But I think, yeah, you're totally right, Megan. Like the being in Vegas has an extra buzz to it has a little more pizzazz. And like you were saying, like the world's kind of back to normal as close as it could, it could be to normal. So I feel like everyone's like, this is, this is going to be a big, extravagant event uh the nfl is always pulling out all the stops and make their product the the best and brightest so i think it's going to be a great weekend and uh, especially for any, any new yorkers that's either a jets or a giants fan you can't beat having uh, two top 10 picks for uh, for each squad so it's pretty good eddie i know you're a giants fan but i really think you're a, like a closet jets fan because you've been so excited about the jets lately like you have you i used to i root i mean i root for the jets like i was lucky enough to go to um i had jesse's and tickets growing up before the the new stadium was built um so i i always have a soft spot for the jets i always root for the jets it's kind of the same thing too with like baseball like i'm a yankees fan i have no ill will towards the, the oh. mass. their little their oh. little brother they're a different division see different that's like you're so. like a cubs fan that's how the cubs fans feel about us white Sox fans and i just i have i don't feel the same way i hate cubs i hate the cubs right. fans i hate all of them but they oh, think yeah. us white Sox fans are like cute so. Yeah, that's exactly right. There's no, and there's the reverse. No Mets fans like, oh yeah, we're for the. I'm like, I'm not wearing like Mets gear or Jets gear and being like, yeah, Jets. But like, if they win, it's fine. I want to see them do well. I want to see them succeed. So I mean, unless they play my team, I'm totally fine with rooting for them. And I think uh, as a whole for the New York sports scene, especially with. Stuff, you you know, guys need Knicks something. Did. You need something. Right. Exactly. Like the Knicks, the Knicks are not, they under, underperformed this year. It's a classic, you know, year two in, in, in a Tibbs system. That's always going to happen. And then the Brooklyn Nets, I mean, one of the bigger disasters in sports. And we're going to talk about that later. Yeah. So, and then you have, uh, you know, the Mets and Yankees actually doing all right this year. So the, we go back to football, like the Jets having uh, four and 10 and the Giants having five and seven. And not only obviously having top 10 picks is good, but having players that you need that are, 
pretty much going to fall right in those spots is a great feeling. There's no one like, oh, if you miss on this guy, there's a huge gap. It's like, no, like there's plenty of tackles. There's plenty of cornerbacks. There's plenty of receivers, uh, plenty of edge rushers, which is all the things that these two teams need. So I think it's a, a great home run. It's going to be a home run weekend for Jets and Giants fans. So everyone in New York should rejoice. In New York, when we were looking back in the history of things, you will say NFL Draft 2022 was what brought New York sports back to life. I don't think that this draft in Vegas is good for draftees' girlfriends. We always see during the broadcast the girlfriend is situated next to the draftee at these home parties and I just think if the draft is in Vegas the girlfriends might not get the invite. I think it's a very different setup. There's a lot of distractions and I, I think this could be tough for these these young girls who have you know stood by their men through college. So I, I'm interested to see what happens with that. But I do have some rules for these draftees as it relates to receiving the phone call, as it relates to getting drafted, as it relates to how you do your thank yous, all of those things. So if you choose to not go to Vegas, that's fine. You have your party. You need to sit next to mom and dad. I don't like when girlfriend is, is, is sitting next to him because odds are you're probably going to break up. And then this footage becomes really awkward for the family. The pictures become very awkward for the family. I think the girlfriend needs to be there, but she needs to be somewhere in the back where later you can maybe blur her out, crop her out, or it's just not so much of an in-your-face memory. Um, obviously, she's part of your life. She was there for a significant moment. She's got to be there, but we got to put her in the back. So it should be mom, dad. If grandparents are still alive, they can be there too. High school coach, you really like when they're involved. Um, friends, obviously, scattered all around, but mom and dad need to be sitting next to the draftee. Um, I really hate when they hug the girlfriend first, too. I think mom mom always gets a hug. We Megan and I have talked about on this podcast how nobody loves their mom more than football players. So you hug mom, hug dad, and then hug the rest. As far as the phone conversation go, the phone is going to ring. And I have had, this is a secret between all of us here on this podcast, but I have had inside access to the raw footage of some of these phone calls during my time with the Patriots. Oh, yeah, some juicy stuff there. So what usually happens is a team representative um, in the Patriots case is this guy, Bears Nigerian. I don't think I'm sharing any, like, secrets yet. And I'll probably not share, like, the deep, dirty stuff because I still like the Patriots and I don't want to, like, ruin any of those things. So Bears Nigerian would call and say, um, hello, so-and-so. Um, this is Bears Nigerian from the Patriots. Um, we're on the clock right now, and we're, we're about ready to make you a Patriot here. We're, I'm going to put Coach Belichick on the line. And then, boom, he'd put Belichick on the line. Belichick would say, congratulations, we're going to make you a Patriot, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to put Robert Kraft on the line, and then Robert Kraft would talk to the draft prospect. And that's how it would go. Very short, brief conversation. Anyways, I just want to say to all these draft prospects, when you answer this phone, you just need to keep it very casual, straight to business. These guys are in a draft room. There's a lot going on. They're on the clock. Picks are getting traded. Things are moving. I know it's a very important moment in your life, but just... Keep it casual with the coaches. And then when the owner gets on the phone, this is where you ham it up. But don't do it fraud, like don't do it like a fraud. You have to do it authentic. I think, you know, if you're dealing with someone like Robert Kraft, the Kraft family has done tremendous work in the community. So you can always you can say, I think it's very inspiring the work you've done in the Boston area as someone who's from Boston, or something, something like that. So compliment their work. Don't sound like a, a fraud. And remember, this is the guy who's signing your check. And if it doesn't work out in football, you can always work for the organization in like community service or you're, maybe you're um, 
some sort of assistant or some sort of advocate. So you ham it up with the owner, keep it casual with the coaches. Casual ham. So that's, that's my advice for all the checks, for all these draftees who are going to be dealing with these phone calls. Remember, casual, ham it up with the owner. And then next comes your media conversations. You're gonna be, as soon as, as soon as you get done being drafted, they like put you on a phone line right away and you're gonna to talk to all of these local media people. And odds are they didn't have you slotted in for their mock draft because everybody's mock drafts are wrong. So they're doing a quick Google search on you right now and they're just gonna find all these questions. So to prep for this, Google yourself so that you know, and then just don't say anything. Say, I'm really excited about being a member of whatever franchise it is say when they ask you about your injury history say um i don't know i'm just going to do what coach asked me to do and do the to the best of my ability and then make sure you smile when you do it because a smile can go a long way and all the media people will be tricked into thinking that you're really nice even though you didn't say anything just because you smiled it's like the art of tom brady he doesn't say anything but he does it with a smile so you think he's nice um and then i have another note down here um, yeah, basically just say nothing. Say, say nothing, but use a lot of words doing it. It's like what Brady does. It's like what Jeter used to do. It's what Belichick does, but he doesn't mean, so you don't want to do it mean because this is your first chance to get on the good side of the media. So stay there. And then another tip for all of those organizations that are drafting this, this weekend, this Thursday, it will start. If there's no reception, like when the Patriots called Nikhil Harris, he was like somewhere on an island. Um, the call dropped out like three times. If that happens, just move on. Don't pick him. I think we've learned from that. So do not pick anybody who has bad cell service. Um, that's my draft update. Eddie, what do you think? Uh, there's not really a lot of holes to poke. I mean, I agree with you. First of all, I, I appreciate you taking uh, the stance on the, the girlfriend thing. Uh, I mean, all, all I'll say is go watch like winning time or something just to kind of get a grasp of what really goes on. Um, so I think you are spot on with that. I totally agree. Hug mom and sit next to mom and dad, uh, you know, brother, sister, too. If they're if they're there, uh, you have them like you're hugging them first. You get one parent, one arm, the other parent, the other arm, like, you know, play fight with your your brother if he if he's there like just seem like you're totally uh ecstatic to be picked and this and that um the agent you hug the agent definitely after if he's at the table with you or if you have a trainer with like you the or girlfriend like she can be hugged just later oh yeah we it want her there we really we first. hope yeah. we get to know you but right now yes. we don't need to know you Yes, and also let me say, like obviously there are some uh, players who keep their longtime girlfriends from school all the way through. I'm just saying, more more likely it's going to be, uh, you know, it'll probably end. The uh, the the thing too with with the with the calling, like I I love when the players you could they show those calls now once in a while, like the ones who either like are crying or like screaming, like they're so excited. I love that. I think if you show emotion, that's great. Like your life goal is paid off. And I, I do agree with you to the extent of like the owner, obviously to be the nicest too, but, but like there are some organizations in the NFL and we kind of know which ones where the head coach, he brought the Patriots, like Bill has way more pull than a lot of the coaches do. So that he definitely is a factor in you being drafted. So I'm also cool with you kind of hamming it up for the coach as well. And uh, like the if one, you have like Dan the, Campbell, like you go yeah. all out, you can say whatever <laughs> yeah. you want because yeah. you're going to be one of his favorites. But if Belichick's calling you, I think you got to keep it casual. I think a lot of these old school guys, you just, you, you, you just stick to business. 
See, I, I, I would get afraid if I was like calling a guy, like, especially if it's a top 10 pick, uh, you know, in the first round, like first round, but especially top 10. If you're calling somebody and they answer and there's like, oh, you're, you're excited to become um, you know, a member of the, the Seahawks. And he's like, oh, yeah, coach, can't wait. Like, like, oh, this, I thought he'd have a little more excitement. Like, his life goal paid off. Like, so if I get a guy who's like screaming, like, yeah, like, I'm so excited. Like, or a guy's showing tears. If a grown man showing tears, like that's I'm I'd be like oh we nailed this pick like this guy is see gonna but then like so there's other people us. who are like dude this isn't fun and games that you heard to work and that's like the Belichick mentality but nah, I am also I like so brainwashed from this and I've also heard recordings of conversations of guys who maybe a team drafted that had injuries and then the conversation went hey you know we're gonna make you a Patriot congratulations I just said the name but obviously we all know because I work there we're gonna make you a Patriot congratulations yep yep yep. Okay, now if the media asks you anything about your injury history, don't say anything. And like I've heard Belichick say on those calls, like the media is going to talk to you next. Don't say anything. Okay, have a good day. We'll see you here in Foxborough. Goodbye. So they are like two business. Like don't open your mouth. This is an emotional moment, but don't say the wrong thing that you just had another knee cleanup done two weeks ago. Just be smart about it. Keep it quiet. Keep it cool. Because I do think that like the overly emotional ones, maybe you, you say or do something that you probably shouldn't have done. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I guess in my head, I'm also like worried about a scenario like a um, like an Eli Manning to the Chargers, where you don't want a guy on your squad who is not like fired up to be there. Whereas if I'm a coach, if I know a guy I'm getting is committed and he's crying on the phone, and he's cheering, he's hugging me, and this and that, I'm gonna feel pretty good about that pick. Also, it's like if you're doing your due diligence on the player and you're drafting him with your first round pick and you're that concerned about his injury history, it's like, well, then why are you drafting, drafting him? In the oh, first I'm not place? talking first round. I was talking later, but yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm focused like fully first round, especially the top end of the draft, the first half. Like if, if you get a guy who's just like, he's, it's all his work's paid off and he's just, you know, rah, rah on the phone. Like I, I would feel as a GM slash coach slash owner, I'd be like, well, this is a home run pick. I'd be, I'd be pretty jacked up. Well, I mean, the reality of it is like half of these guys are going to make a career out of it. Maybe even the first yeah. round guys. It's unbelievable. I mean, like, you know, we, we have Tim Graham on later and he does not do mock drafts. And I actually think like, I, I kind of agree with him for not doing mock draft because it is literally throwing shit on a wall because all of these players have about a 50, 50 chance, right? Maybe a coin toss mm-hmm. less than that, I would say. Um, to even make an impact in the NFL. So, hey, whatever. The draft is fun. We like the draft. We're going to bet on the draft. The draft's in Vegas. People are going to have fun at the draft. But I'm going to set the line at one and a half for draftees arrested. Are you taking the over or the under? Draftees arrested that weekend at one and a half. So we would need to say two have to get two separate guys or guys together and i i don't i don't see that happening you don't say. the draft is no. three days long no i think it's gonna be the an under see i would take I, well, the hard over on that like three days in vegas and yeah but the, but, and but the, the, the less the, the than two people drafted the mid the mid-round guys aren't going to vegas it could so they're not i think they only invited like less than like only 20 something are going yeah, they have people like I, – I wonder maybe it's changed because Gronk was a second-rounder, I believe, and yeah, he, he was, was at the draft. So I they think have, they've, had, they've had scenarios where guys have been, like, left over who, like, okay. haven't been there. But I think they only – now to avoid the awkward – because it happened with, like, Aaron Rodgers. It happened with, like, Brady Quinn. So they had, like, that green room thing. I think since then they changed the rule to have less people because invited, they just, like, the they surefire Because they just feel one. so bad about right. the cutaways. 
Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, there I, is always only... there. There are always those those guys who are left around a little bit longer. Last year it was Mac Jones, and he ended up yeah. getting drafted by the Patriots. Um, but I mean, this is this is a lot of guys their chance to make a name for themselves because the majority of these guys, while they're sitting there in that green room, it might feel humiliating as the camera keeps panning to them, showing their reaction, showing them on their phone, showing their family getting nervous. A lot of these guys, like, it's not going to get much better than that. So for all of our draft prospects who are listening, just, you know, enjoy that moment. But Eddie, we have very different opinions on the attitude and the demeanor that we want our players on the phone to be displaying once they're drafted. What do you want the guy sitting there waiting to be acting like? If you're, I mean, well, number one, hopefully the cameras are on him, but the guy who's sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting, um, you better hope that you're the tape we were with, whoever you brought, cousins, friends, whatever, like just someone keep you entertained. I wish also they had like a, um, like a sort of like a break room for mm-hmm. those guys. So like if you're, you know, you, say somebody slides in the draft and all of a sudden now you're near like pick 23 or something like let them get up. Let them go to like. Let them have a like a little refreshment. Go get a uh, a coffee and, and and a little snack to not be on the camera. Have uh, you know whoever Ty McShay or Mel Kiper uh, questioning why he's still there. It's the worst thing. But I mean, look, uh, there's. I think this year I found it. There's 21 players being attended. I think all these names. A quick scroll through. They all should go in the first round. But obviously, some of them will be near the back end of that draft. So I mean. It's hard to say to tell them to focus on this, but it's like, hey, you are the best of the best. You will be drafted. Uh, you are one of the best players in college football. Like, it's all going to work. You're going to get paid millions of dollars. Like, if you could just kind of repeat that mantra over and over, I think you'll you'll be at peace. But it's it's really hard in the in the moment to tell. Look at look like at the names I said before, Quinn and, and Rogers. Yeah. Like, two of the better quarterbacks we've seen in college football in recent memory, and they're you know, as composed as could be. You put them under the, the lights in, uh, at a draft room, and they look like, uh, you know, they would rather a defense all-out blitz come at them than that. So yeah. it's hard to tell them what to do. Lamar, from, from Lamar was in that situation, too, I believe, a couple yeah. years ago. He yeah. was sitting there. Um, yeah, and he went 32nd, right. Yeah, yeah. I want, I know that this would be a, like a deal-breaker for me as to why I might not go to the draft because I would definitely stress eat. Like I would sit there, you know, how like there's a party and you know, you have the cheese plate, you have the chips, you have everything. I would just be snacking like crazy on all of those things purely out of stress. Um, I do think it's an opportunity for like branding. All these players talk about, you know, making a name for themselves, having their brand. Um, so if you're a guy sitting around, maybe you do an obscure hobby. Maybe you do a crossword puzzle. Maybe you knit, maybe you play Wordle, maybe, uh, you read a playbook. I don't know. Maybe it's just a book that says playbook on it. And that would be kind of funny. You could go viral. So these are things to think about. Another thing to think about, what should you wear? Um, this is a big question right now as people prepare to go to the draft. Joe Burrow right now is the gold standard in the NFL for fashion. So you're either going way past Joe Burrow or you're not competing. Don't try to be equals with Joe Burrow because right now I don't think you're going to do it. Um, a fun bit I think somebody could do. They could dress like Ben Simmons. You know, we all saw Ben Simmons on Saturday. Uh, that outfit made headlines for a lot of different reasons. I think it'd be funny if a guy showed up to the draft in that exact same outfit. You might get a little bit of heat because Ben Simmons is, uh, facing some critics right now, deservedly so. So maybe that would drop your stock a little bit, but I think it would be very funny. Um, but I I think... 
when you, when you look at what you're going to wear for the draft, do you either go above and beyond, like doing the Ben Simmons thing, or going above and beyond Joe Burrow, or just keep it simple? If we ever get in the era again like we used to, where the pick knew where they were going. Remember back in the old days where, like, Carson Palmer was, like, signed by the Bengals, like, a week in advance. Like, had mm-hmm. his con- it was one of those things where he knew he was going to get picked and everyone knew it. So, like, the second pick became the new first pick. Uh, if it was, you get one of those scenarios, then I think you dress at least your tie kind of color shading closer to what your team is. I think that you could do that. Now, if you don't know, obviously, like, for example, my guy Kyle Hamilton in Notre Dame is going, I would wear maybe a blue or goldish tie, maybe a green tie to be fun, and then, like, put, like, a pin on like the lapel or something. And I want an ND pin. I think I would do, I would just be fully college. It's my kind of, you know, tip of the cap to then be like, thank you for my, you know, three or four years here. You got me in this position. I don't know what team I'm getting picked on. So uh, the colors I'm wearing are my school's colors. Like, so no one be offended by them and I would pay homage to my school. So that's what I would do. If it I would was be bold if you wore an LSU pin. Well, I mean, I mean, unless he's making fun of Brian Kelly, but or like, like he you know, was paying homage to Brian Kelly. Yeah, I mean, which I, Brian I, I, Kelly's I been in the news recently too. Did you see all with that his, with his Instagram with his burners, story? Yeah, yeah. I, I did. I did see that, but I, I know the 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 guys in Notre Dame are above that, and Kyle Hamilton especially. So like that's an example I'd use, but I would definitely, um, I would like you know, Aiden Hutchinson could do like wear like the Michigan State flag as a pin or something like that. Like he wants to stay there, probably be the second overall pick, uh, something like that. Where just don't. Don't gamble on a color that a team makes like that you want to draft you because they may not draft you. Then you yeah. look kind of weird. Then you do. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's true. Because then, because if you're wearing the like the purple color and you don't get drafted by the Vikings, but then if you went to LSU, you could always just fall back on, oh, I wore it for LSU. So at least you have a little bit of an excuse. The yeah, tie any, color is. Any player wearing teal, like, you know, the Jaguars color, and they miss, like, if two or three guys show up with teal and one of them gets picked, it's like. Well, you were trying really too hard, like yeah. way too hard. Now you, you missed out. Oof. So You can't go wrong, I feel like, with red. There's a lot of red in a mm-hmm. lot of teams. So you, you can't go wrong with that. Blue is another one, but you got to go classic blue. We can't get it into different shades. Um, I still think the Ben Simmons idea might be the best one that I've had. So someone, someone please do that. All right. You have every color. Yeah. <laughs> Let's kick it on over to our interview with Tim Graham. All right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please welcome in our guest, Mr. Tim Graham of The Athletic. Uh, Tim's a good friend. I'm going to put you in that category right now. Good friend. Um, if we had Instagram like stories, you'd be on like my little green close friends thing, even though I don't do that. So um, yeah, I always feel honored when I notice that someone put me in that group. So welcome. To our show. This is Megan Fun of Sports. We are without one Megan. She just had a baby. So I have you on as my draft expert. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> well, um, I just want to, for our audience, Tim and I met a couple years ago, not that they asked or not that they cared, at the NFL Combine. That's where all NFL relationships happen. Hit it off at a bar called Kilroy's in Indianapolis when um, Tim was trying to talk to Richard Sherman. That's right. I forgot, you know, I remembered obviously that we spent time at the, at the combine, but I, I could not have remembered where we met. Uh, the combine, especially after hours is always a blur. Yeah. Uh, and you could have named any of four or five bars and said, that's where we met. And I would have said, okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I do remember, I, I, I felt the need, uh, because you generally don't see NFL veterans at the combine. Now, occasionally you'll run into them. Um, for various reasons, but Richard Sherman was there and I was just impressed. I've always been impressed with him 
uh, how he's handled himself throughout his career. Uh, I know that he's had some uh, controversy or maybe being a little too flamboyant, uh, but he, he always seems like his heart is in the right place. He's always seemed to be a great team player, very vocal on uh, certain causes that I think are important to push. And I do remember that. I had a few drinks in me and I said, I'm just going to say hello to Richard Sherman and just tell him how much I respect what he does. And that's all I did. You know, it wasn't like I was looking for an angle or a story or trying to give him my card or anything like that. It was just one of those one of those moments where I felt like I needed to to uh, to share my my thoughts with somebody I respect. Well, I'm glad that you remember Richard Sherman, but I'm a little hurt that you didn't remember that I was there. So. We will move I remember forward. other parts. Um, we will move forward. So Tim lives in Buffalo. He's covered the Buffalo Bills for a long time, and this is a franchise that, that's done all right in the draft the past couple years. And um, I want to shift our focus to the draft because that is this week in Las Vegas. This is what the league has been waiting for. We had to deal with the Roger Goodell pandemic draft, and then they were like, okay, Cleveland will give them a bone. Now it's in Vegas. This was originally scheduled for 2020. It's finally happening. The league is just going to erupt. I think Vegas is a spectacle as it is, and now we bring the draft there. This is not something that a lot of players typically attend. I feel like the last several years, the attendance has significantly dropped, but now that's in Vegas, there's a reason to go, and we are here with Tim Graham to get all of his analysis on this draft. Tim, when you spent time covering the draft for ESPN, you found a draft expert. I don't know how you found him because he's completely off the grid. Eli Yoder is an Amish man who lives in where? Central Ohio? Uh, Northeast Ohio okay. in, um, in Nelson Township, Ohio. So he is a um, booming draft expert, up-and-coming draft expert. How would you describe him? So when I was at ESPN.com covering the AFC East, now I have, I'm from Northeast Ohio. My parents lived in uh, Nelson Township. My dad has, has died and my mom has moved uh, out of there. But my father was a retired Cleveland police officer. And when he was in retirement, he was bored stiff. And, uh, but he loved to drive and he kept very early hours. And one day at the local mechanic shop, um, he ran into or was introduced to somebody who is a, in a fascinating line of work that my dad got into and he drives the Amish. So I've been introduced to a lot of the fascinating aspects of the Amish culture through my father. And I come to find out that they are avid sports fans. They play a lot of baseball. Uh, they are into basketball. The house right next door to uh, where my parents lived uh, had a basketball hoop and it was a, a grandfather and all the grandkids would come over on the weekends and they'd play basketball. They don't drive. So the kids, they, while they're not doing half pipes or anything like that, they're on skateboards and scooters and bicycles and rollerblades and they do all that stuff. So they're active and they're into sports. And as you can imagine, with no television or internet, uh, and some radio, I mean, they can listen to their, when they're in my, they were in my dad's van, they're listening to the radio, but they would fight over the Cleveland Plain Dealer and the sports page. And one in particular, uh, his name, Eli Yoder, um, was, fell in love with football. He loved football and he would occasionally go to some of the games, the division three games. My dad to make conversation one morning mentions that his son is a sports writer and they're like, Oh my gosh, I guess somebody has to write this. And his mind's kind of blown. Like, wow, somebody who writes this stuff that we read every day 
um, Harry knows uh, Harry's son is uh, is uh, is a sports reporter, and so this would have been two thousand and two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. He wants to show me his mock draft, and so he gives it to my father to share with me. And it was like it was rudimentary, and I'm guessing he's maybe nineteen or twenty years old at the time. And it, but it had some stuff in it. I mean, it was. It, and also, I'm not going to knock Eli Yoder. I'm sure he aggregated some of his thoughts over the years. Uh, he has really refined it. And I think that he has, you know, I'm not saying he's got a database and spreadsheets, but he's he's kind of, he's started to really consider what GMs do, uh, how they think a little bit, uh, how the game has changed, um, needs. Uh, it's not just like, this guy's really good. He's the fourth best player in the draft. Therefore, he should go fourth. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was visiting uh, my mother. And I decided to stop by and see if Eli was around at the old house, and he and he passed along his mock draft, which I have have shared with you. Yeah, Eli Um, Yoder. um, This you said that started in what two thousand nine? You said I think two thousand nine, two thousand and ten. I wrote about him at ESPN.com. Yeah, so Eli, um, he's been. He's a tenured uh, drafter now. I would say tenured mock drafter. He's done many more mock drafts than you have done. I always referred to him as Amish draft expert because even if he's not a draft expert, as far as the Amish goes, he's, he's got to be a draft expert. I could not agree more. So our Amish draft expert, Eli Yoder, has sent – well, he did not send because he's Amish and he can't do that. Tim Graham collected Eli yes. Yoder's mock draft and sent it my way. Um, and it, it's very interesting here. Um, it is – it's – it's very heavy on Ohio players, and it, it's yeah, clear that he, that he favors the MAC. Um, but but let's take a look at it. Number one, he's got Aiden Hutchinson going. Um, then I I don't want to read all of these because our listeners will get really bored. Right. But let's maybe pick out a couple of the interesting ones. Okay, so here I've already confessed that I don't follow the draft too much. But when I got this, I wanted to see how off the wall. Uh, Eli was, yeah. you know, how, is he, does he have, you know, somebody on here from, um, you know, from Otterbein uh, or, uh, you know, somebody from, uh, you know, Muskingum College, you know, in, in, in Southern Ohio. No, uh, and I mean, he's got some SEC representation. This, at the top. Looks, this looks like a legitimate mock draft to me, with the exception of a couple of things. And I'm looking at it. I think it looks like he's maybe overdrafting the Ohio State receivers. He has Garrett Wilson to the Jets, uh, okay. which I don't think is absurd. And uh, Chris Olavi uh, right after that to the commanders at number 11. Um, he's he's high on the Central Michigan offensive lineman Bernhard Raymond, mm-hmm. who I don't see in any mock drafts in the first round. But he has him going 15th overall to the Eagles. So again, that's a, that's that Mid American Conference bias. I think from when he when he gets over to Kent State, yeah, maybe fire up chips uh, there with 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 Central Michigan. That that's an interesting right. one. But with offensive linemen, you never you never really know. I feel like that's a you position don't. that I'm not going to be the one to tell you who's good and who's bad. He has Tyson Anderson, the safety from Toledo, uh, going 29th to the Chiefs. He has, and I think this is, seems to be an overdraft also. Um, Jeremy Ruckert, the Ohio State tight end, going to the Bengals at 31st. And then the one, you know. This is my favorite, what you're going to say, I think. Oh, oh, no, I'm sorry. There's two of, there's two of them. Okay. All right. So I'm going to, I'll go, I'll, I'll, retru- I'll re- 
I'll retreat a little bit, but 32 to the Lions. Okay, so this again, he he's enamored with small school guys. And Troy Anderson is the converted quarterback. He's now a linebacker out of Montana State. And, you know, I didn't really get into it with Eli as to what his thinking was on, on each of these picks. Yeah. Um, but he has Troy. I have not seen Troy Anderson going in the first round. So I think I think Eli is a little enamored with the idea that this guy used to play quarterback and now he's a linebacker. And maybe he's – you know, I can't read his mind, but maybe he's just saying, well, the Lions are going to lion. Well, uh, I think he's doing it wrong because the type of person who would be enamored with a Troy Anderson is a Bill Belichick. So I think Eli needs to know the coaching staff a little better. I think tra- transitioning from quarterback to linebacker, Bill Belichick loves that because they'll be able to dissect and, and you know, and, and read Megan, what the offense saying, is doing. Are you saying that he might go 21st to the Patriots? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know with the Patriots, anything is possible, but what really stands out to me about Eli's mock draft is 27 here. The Buccaneers, it says that uh, Eli has them has them taking a punter uh, 27th, and that would be a very Bill Belichick move. So I think that's more up the Patriots alley. Yeah, so that is uh, the Arizona State punter, Matt Areza, who is known as Punt God, maybe a, a little sacrilegious uh, for the Amishman. <laughs> uh, to go with somebody who go who uh, refer who's referred to as punt god, but yeah. So again, I think that's Eli's. Uh, you know, is a punter and going to go in the first round? Maybe not. However, Tampa Bay has had uh, you know not so stellar punting over the years. Uh, it is a need, I think. Uh, I uh, you know this is a guy who's known to flip the field. He's a weapon type thing. Maybe it is a missing component. You know, you talk about the punter being uh, uh, an offensive player. What more does Brady need? He needs a punter. Jesus, can someone get this guy a punter? Get him a freaking punter. Uh, I just want to look it up because I don't know the Buccaneers punter right off the top of my head. I did look it up because I wanted to see how you know make sure that the Buccaneers didn't just sign a guy. Uh, but it seems as though Eli has some some uh, logic to this. Uh, Bradley Pinion, he's 27. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is uh, has never been a, a Pro Bowler. Uh, he is, uh, in fact, he'll be 28 before the season begins. Really, it, he's a he averages 43 yards a punt, 44 yards a punt. Uh, nothing nothing spectacular out of out of Bradley Pinion, formerly of the 49ers, uh, will be entering his fourth season with the Bucks. So maybe maybe we're on to something here with Eli. All right, another thing I want to hit um, on Eli's mock draft, the NFL draft numbers are all out, the odds for you can bet on anything you want to bet on with this draft. The over-under on total number of Big Ten players drafted in round one is six and a half. And if you are following Eli's mock draft, I believe you would hammer the over on that one. So keep an eye on that. I know we also said he is skewed towards the Big Ten and those Midwest schools. In the Mid-American Conference. What's the Mid-American Conference over under? It can't be. It's got to be like a half, um, right? I have ACC, SEC, Pac-12. They don't have odds on that on FanDuel. Maybe another book that they would. But I would say if you're – putting some stock in Eli's mock draft, you would hammer the over on the Mac as well. Before we put Eli's draft to bed, I just want to go over the quarterbacks here because everybody thinks the quarterback position is very sexy. 
Um, I don't know if Eli does because he has the Texans taking Malik Willis all the way at 13. That would be a big, I'm going to put in air quotes, drop for this quarterback prospect. A lot of people have him going as high as like six. Yeah, I uh, again, I'll have to defer to Eli on this because I don't know. Uh, I mean, so don't ask me uh, for my analysis, but uh, I'm guessing, you know, the Steelers also let's keep in mind, too, that 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 the information that Eli has at his disposal uh, would skew towards Northeast Ohio and also Pittsburgh, which is right there. I mean, it's you know, it's it's very close by. Uh, and, uh, so I, I, I'll be honest, I'm not sure if he picks up the, the Pittsburgh papers or the Youngstown, Ohio papers, yeah, uh, Warren, Ohio a, papers. He's all got floor. Matt Corral of Ole Miss going to the Steelers at 20. Yeah. So you have, yeah. I, uh, all right. So I was getting the picks mixed up. Yeah. So he has a Matt Corral. He's got the Steelers going for a quarterback. Yeah. Um, I think he has in Kenny Pickett to the saints. Um, so Malik Willis, maybe it's just as, as simple as he sees, uh, an exciting uh, prospect of a quarterback there. Uh, the Texans seem to have, uh, you know, been attracted to that type of quarterback. You know, a, a, a high ceiling. Let's see what uh, they can do uh, with all these with uh, you know multiple multi-dimensional. So, uh, but again, I, I'm going to have to defer to Eli on this. All right, we're going to put Eli's mock draft up somewhere so that you guys can. Can all take a look at it. I mean, this one is, thing this just, is pretty just popped into my head. I guess What's this that? is how far Eli has come in terms of his evolution. I guess he's a pretty progressive thinker because he has no running backs in the first round. So, yes, he has a punter, but he has no running backs. So you'd think that if he's like old school and has been just going yeah. based on, you know, looking at at uh, at old, uh, you know, rundowns of who got drafted or picking up the almanac at the at the library. Um, you'd think that he'd be heavy on the running backs, but he's not. Wow. I wonder if they have an Amish fantasy football league and maybe that has sort of changed Eli's. Oh, they do. They do. That's actually, yeah. And and that's, I guess that's part of that. I I left out before. And I was talking about how they fight over the sports page. Yeah. Yeah. They do that. Uh, They go through and, and, and do the, you know, the, through the box scores and stuff. I mean, they're they're not on Yahoo. Yeah. They're not, they're not on Yahoo or anything, but you know, and this, People are going to wonder. So with Eli, people, why haven't you written a story about Eli? Well, Eli doesn't know that I do this, that I share his stuff. And he'll never and he'll know ne- because he can't go on ne- the computer. He'll never know. So is it a violation of trust? I guess maybe a little. But um, so people have wanted me to take a picture of Eli. You know, the Amish don't believe in photography. I have taken some pictures with him in the background where I've kind of surreptitiously tried to take a cut. And then I, I felt bad about it, deleted them. Uh, I didn't want so I guess I'm taking advantage of it a little bit here by sharing it, but I've never, you know, done the story or, you know, stuck, you know, it, the whole idea of it, you know, so anyway, here, here is this guy, he's in his late twenties, maybe he's, I don't know, 30 years old now. And, and, uh, and he just thinks he, you know, he's, well, he's doing it for fun. Um, but, um, I don't, he doesn't know that, uh, I've been, uh, I've been writing about him and, and, uh, at ESPN.com all those years ago. And now here we are talking about him on your podcast wow eli yoder a a true living legend that not not enough people know about whether he knows it or not nobody knows it he's a legend that nobody knows nobody knows well um thank you for introducing myself and my audience here to eli yoder and his mock draft uh we're gonna post it somewhere so that you guys can all see it but it's pretty it's pretty impressive work done here and i will have my eyes on matt 
Arasia, the punter out of Arizona State, because that's my favorite and pick. And uh, the, the lineman from Central Michigan. Yes, the lineman from Central Michigan. Um, Bernhard Raymond. Bernhard Raymond. We will keep oh, and, an eye and on also, him during the draft. Fascinating as he is, uh, Troy Anderson. Okay. Uh, I, I'm quite certain that those three names that we just mentioned will not go in the first round. But if any of them do, what a triumph uh, it would be for our man, Eli Yoder. Well, Tim, thank you for coming on our show. I appreciate that you keep it real and you yourself don't do mock drafts, but yet we we can still talk. What about do them. I know? That's I, my thing. Yeah, what I, do I, I know? I, I don't know. They give me a microphone to talk into and I say, why are you doing this every week? Some people out there, they just get to this part of the season because they cover the NFL and they say, and not every people, there are people who are really good at it. Number one, Joe Biscalia, who I work with at The Athletic, uh, he's fantastic at it. But there are a lot of people who I look at their mock draft or whatever, or their their analysis. And I'm like, what do you know? You don't know anything. Just like I don't know anything. Eli and so, knows something. That is someone who knows. He, he at least, he puts, he seems to put the work in. When he handed me this list and I saw, and that, well, and then I don't know, because like I'm looking at it and like, I don't know. But then I go and I, I compare it to these other mock drafts that are out there by reputable sources. And I think Eli's, Eli's got a legit mock draft here. Absolutely. Um, we're going to post this, like I said, for our listeners. Tim, thank you for coming on. This was awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Megan. Great to see you. can quickly talk about the NBA. I am wearing my Celtics green because Boston swept Brooklyn. I knew, I, I don't want to say I knew. No, that's wrong. I didn't know anything. I figured Boston would win this series, even though last week we talked about it with our guest Amina Smith, and we thought it might even go seven in this one. But Boston took care of business. They swept the Brooklyn Nets. KD and his whole experiment of playing with his friends in New York just it blows up right in his face. And now he's left wondering what, what is next for Kevin Durant? What is next for Ben Simmons? What is next for Kyrie Irving? And the Boston fans just rejoice after all of this has happened. And I do think some karma will be coming for the Milwaukee Bucks. They will likely face Boston next because Milwaukee dodged this series with the Nets and then the Celtics just cleaned the floor. So I do, I don't feel good about playing the Celtics if I am the Milwaukee Bucks right now. Yeah, I, I mean, boy, I did not expect this to happen in this series. Uh, as a Knicks fan, I am pretty happy to see the Nets uh, suffering. Yeah. I think right now, I mean, number one question is like Ben Simmons, like, do, do you like, is he even worth it? Like, does he ever play again? Like I, at this point, I don't like, think he likes guy, basketball. I don't think he likes basketball either. And he, and he keeps using, like using, uh, let me word this correctly, not using the mental health as an excuse. I think his mental health reasoning is it's that he does not want to play and mm -hmm. he doesn't feel, he doesn't have the drive anymore. It's like when you see a player retire early from a sport and it's like, yeah, I just didn't have it. And not feel like doing it. Like, that's fine. Like it's up, it's up to you. If you, you make what you want of your career. I, I don't, I think like him being dragged down to the court, but he's like, weirdo outfits and every single day he's the headline it's like man he, he's tired of it like more power to him like then that's it like they'll be done with him move on the next question is like steve nash what do you do with him uh obviously very very early on in his coaching career and you have this like quote-unquote super team and then you move a big piece to get another big piece that big piece doesn't play and you can't really manage these guys in the court uh if they i would not be shocked if they moved on from him. i don't think they will but i would not be shocked 
And then now back to the weirdness of Kevin Durant, what he's been doing online, and then Kyrie Irving, obviously his comments. What I will say about Kyrie is that he, when he was there, when he played, when he was you know uh, healthy and allowed to play on uh, these games, he was good in a lot of games, like very yeah, good. Kyrie's like, had a, a lot good of big player. He, yeah, he had but a lot of another uh, big one scoring. Mo- that I wonder, does he like to play basketball? Just like Ben Simmons, I truly wonder that because there are things that Kyrie has to do that get in the way of him being as exceptional as he is. But the flashes and his raw ability keep everybody coming back to Kyrie. He was, I mean, uh, he was better than Kevin Durant. Absolutely. The, the, since, since he was back, he was better than him. He was better than him in the playoffs, too. So, like, to me, the biggest question is, like, yeah, Durant's the guy. Durant's the big name. But, it, like, is Durant, is his body breaking down? Like, does he need to play less minutes? Uh, does he need a, a they need an actual third person there that's a different type of player than what, like, James Harden was? Because, obviously, that was not a fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously, we know now the two that Harden and, and Durant didn't really get along, or Durant really did not like Harden's approach to the game. So I think they need to get somebody else in there who may not be that level of a star like a Harden, but somebody else who could actually help this team if he's missing time. Because Durant, I, I didn't think it was possible for him to play worse than he did uh, in that first game. And I'm like, he's going to pick it up and he's going to carry them, and that just never happened. And now you start to wonder, like, man, like. Kyrie played as really as well as he did, almost carrying them. So I, I don't think Kyrie's the problem. I think now without these like vaccine mandates, I think Kyrie's going to be fine. But the real question is, is Durant healthy and find that you know magical third piece to help propel them? So there's a lot of question marks going yeah. uh, through the offseason, but I don't think they need to move those guys apart because Kyrie showed me a lot. He come, you know, coming back from a weird season like he did, but he played very well. Yes. And I don't think Durant's done. I just think Durant needs. Um, to manage his health better, manage his minutes better, and get a piece that fits uh, with his game, not a, not someone like Harden. Well, Charles Barkley has thoughts on Kevin Durant, and he made a statement saying that it's more difficult to be the bus driver than riding on the bus, and he was referring to Kevin Durant, how he essentially rode on the bus to a championship in Golden State, then comes to Brooklyn. Now he's driving the bus and it's a lot more difficult. Kevin Durant sees all of these comments and he decides to mark, mock Charles Barkley on the internet. It's become a feud online between the two of them. I love, I love these feuds, especially when it involves Kevin Durant because we all know his history with burner accounts. I also love when it involves Charles Barkley because he's very outspoken and I find him very hilarious. But listen, um, it's sort of like the pot calling the kettle black here for a lot of different reasons. And Kenny Williams was calling out Charles Barkley for it. But I'm here for all of the social media memes. I'm here for all of the photoshopping. I'm here for all of it. What are your thoughts on this, Eddie Spaghetti? Well, then he even then Durant takes it a step further and, and he talks about it on Twitter. And somebody wrote that, like, uh, I believe just to paraphrase, like Durant messed up by doing those things way ahead of the TNT um, in-studio show because it'll give like the, the horde of producers time to find some funny stuff. And then Durant wrote something along the lines of like, oh, a bunch of producers versus a god. Like, it's that's how I feel every day, whatever. And calling yourself a god, well, I mean, first of all, is outrageous. <laughs> Secondly, to do it. Hey, he's you confident. Know, but if he did it after he if he took a team with, you know, a, like a, a team similar to like that, that early Cavs team that like LeBron took with a bunch of bums. If he took if Durant took a team like that and beat the Celtics in four games, then it's like, all right, well, I kind of see where he's going with this God comment. But then to do it after how not only the team played, but how he specifically played. It's just like I, I was all on Team Durant recently, like with 
I know he gets in trouble for his burners and he's, but he goes at people. He actually says stuff like media always gets weird. Like they want to hear players say stuff and then players say stuff. And it's not what they like wanted to hear. Yep. He's brutally honest. And it's like, I love that. Like I, and, and like I said, I'm a Knicks fan. I'm not, I'm not a really a Kevin Durant supporter uh, or the net supporter, but I was like, I let, it's fine to see him do that. And now it's very strange to, to like boost yourself up, call yourself a God when you just got, you got humiliated. You, I mean, you were, you guys were the, the team that all year long. Well, and KD like didn't play favorites. well, except for in one game. He played awesome last night. But before that, the rest of the series, he did not much. No, and he, because arguably the reason why they were down, I mean, the game's, uh, like, he got them in that, that hole. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, 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 it's weird, and he's just clearly a frustrated guy, and he's, and he's fighting back. Uh, with the you know the greatest uh, studio show in the history of television, so it's like it's going to be a losing battle for for Durant because the entire NBA community right now, from what I see online, obviously is going to side with with Charles. And man, like <laughs> the next show, the, the seeing what what happens with Shaq and Charles and Ernie and Kenny the Jet in studio is going to be something because like they're not really going to take it lightly. Oh, I'm excited because now this gives us more of a reason to watch this game. Toronto wins their second straight game of the series. The series is now at three two against Philly. The top of the show, I gave you, a, I wouldn't say it's a lock, but I am leaning heavily towards Toronto in this one. I also am really excited because a long time ago, the thing, the day, not a lot, that long, I talked about it like it was years ago, two weeks ago when the NBA playoffs started, I put a bet in for Toronto to win in six, and then Philly went up, and I just thought it was a wasted bet. Now the bet's back in play. I love when that happens. Really nothing better. My guy, John Morant, won most improved player. Also, the favorite player of this podcast will give John Morant that award. And our finals odds for the winners. We have the Warriors plus 280, the Celtics plus 440, the Suns plus 550, Heat plus 550, Bucks plus 650, and Grizzlies plus 1,000. If I'm picking a winner today, honestly... I think I'm picking the Celtics. The way they're playing defense right now, I just I can't bet against them. I think if the, if it were to end today, it'd be Warriors Celtics, and I would take the Celtics to win. I wish I had a feel for any. I th- I'm like looking at the, the the betting odds for the finals, and I think this is like the most wide open. Obviously, because of the injuries too, with you know with Devin Booker, yep. and I know that Steph Curry was a little banged up. Um, but but they're, they're healthy. Now, and he looks better than ever. Yeah, he no, he yeah, he's no, he's back. But they are. He was in the minutes restriction. People at first were like, but they became the favorite because obviously when they are healthy playing together, they are the best team. Um, so I mean, you're still going to get pretty good odds on the Warriors at plus two ninety. Uh, I know Jimmy Butler's been banged up, so like the Heat not a bad option either. I mean, I, it's it, like the Sixers. I thought were, were going to be the team. No, they're banged with, up with healthy, and they're also hurt. But they're plus thirteen hundred. So you're going to get good odds there. I think if I want to have a fun bet. And you want to get really, really good odds on somebody who I could see maybe making a run. Um, the Mavericks, uh, plus 1,300, uh, just because the odds are great. And they have one of the best players in the game in Luka, who, uh, again, when he's fully healthy and, you know, ho- hopefully he'll get back to that full health uh, level soon. But he's back now playing, and uh, I-, I think that's a fun one. But I think you're not wrong with the Celtics. I would not be shocked if we had a Celtics-Warriors um, the final there. So I think you're, you're boring bet, but still decent odds plus 90 warriors. But I think the fun bet would be the, the Mavs plus 13. Yeah. The, and not a lot of people are talking about the Mavs. And I agree with you with Luca back. Really? The sky mm-hmm. is the limit. Women, please stop running on the feet on the court at these, uh, Timberwolves games, please. Although the tackle was very impressive. I actually used to work with a guy who left his job at the Patriots to go work for like a security company or maybe it was the government or something, but his job was 
to break in stadiums and get as close as he could uh, to the field or the court or whatever it was. And then when he got there to, when he got stopped by security to show his badge. Um, and he used to do it with like a, like a, a knife or something like taped to his leg because that was like his job. They were like testing out all of the security. Fascinating guy. And I tried to track him down for an interview for the show. No luck yet, but I think it's an interesting job and it's relevant right now because we have a lot of people making their way down to these seats that they didn't pay for and then sneaking their way onto the court. You guys had an interview with Glue Lady. She is a, a real winner. And it seems like there's a, a lot of uh, Glue Ladies that are empowered right now, but can you please stop running onto the court? That's all we well, ask. Well, two, two things I could add to that. Number one, I think if you listen back to that, the, the Glue Lady, I believe her name is Alicia, the interview that the, the Extra Points guys did, with her, I think she kind of tipped her hat that they were going to be doing another protest. So we kind of got, we kind of saw like the the tea leaves uh, from that interview. And another thing, I'll tease this: I know that uh, Babyface Joel Solomon is in talks um, to getting that security guard who stopped the hmm. latest protester. So hopefully soon we will have an interview. Um, with that person, I know that the the uh, the organization or the the arena rather um, is aware of our request, and they're going to do what they, they they can. I think so. Wow! That, look at extra works. points fighting the good fight and spreading awareness about. You got to be fair, though, right? You get the glue lady one night, so you get the security guard the next time. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to we have to be be equal in our coverage because we are yes. respected journalists, and we need yes. to be neutral. Okay, Major League Baseball, Jesus Christ, all of this gambling is causing players to go insane. Did you see what happened at Yankee Stadium this week? Oh, of course. I mean, the bleacher <laughs> creatures uh, taking on an outfielder. I mean, look, I I was trying to think in my head who And, and for our listeners, I'm kidding about the gambling thing. I'm kidding. I think none of these things have any correlation to gambling whatsoever now other people on the internet might say that we have to worry about player safety now that we can legally gamble uh quick gambling note too with baseball i believe the unders are hitting at 57 percent uh with major league baseball games so there's a little free tip uh, just bet unders and you're a little bit more than half gonna be be right there but yeah miles straw versus the bleacher creatures look i know there's the riz raider fans i know there's like the soccer hooligans but those group of uh, animals out in the, the Bronx is probably the last group of people that I'd want to uh, tussle with. And uh, I'm not saying this is a biased Yankee fan. I just know from experience. So him trying to pick a fight with them is pretty it, – it's it's pretty ballsy on his part because I don't know if I want to take any part of that. So he uh, – that was a wild move. And, of course, we retaliate by throwing garbage in the field. So that's just classic guys in that's the Bronx. Like, but... uh, no, that's like classic Wrigley Field. That's how they do it. They, they throw the home runs back and they yep. just do – things that are obnoxious so i will yes. lump you all together but i will put the cubs fans beneath you because they should be beneath everyone your guy garrett cole proved that he's still great he had nine strikeouts in six in two-thirds innings do you have anything to say to defend garrett cole i was ripping on him a little bit last week i mean i, I guess his work speaks for itself and, and you don't even have to defend him anymore but to all the garrett cole haters out there the floor is yours say what you need to say <laughs> i wish i remember which podcast i i said it on if we do you know so many different ones here but uh, on one of the pods i did say that i think it's be you know the same reason why they kept the second base runner 
um, uh, for the extra innings is because of the shortened spring and all the players, the, the fear of injury. I kind of equated that to Garrett Cole and just the amount of pitchers in baseball who are not going really past the 80 or so pitch mark. Yep. And I'm like, just give him some time. Like he was second in the Cy Young voting last year. The guy, and he did it without spider attack. Like the guy's going to be fine. And it took him just a few starts. And I, and look, they, and he's still not at full capacity. It's not going to be, it's only April, mid and April. Yeah. Like he's not going to be, he's not going to be throwing like he normally does. Like come back to me mid to late June. Like that's when his arms going to be ready. Because again, there was no spring training. It was not a full work season, uh, off season workouts for him. So <laughs> This is a great sign. I'm not shocked by it because I knew it was going to happen eventually. And I think hopefully – I know I know Walker Bueller recently had an, uh, a complete game shot, uh, performance too. I just want to see these starting pitchers go at least six or seven innings. Yeah. Like, I just want to see them throw near 100 pitches. And I know we're, we're well. inching closer to that because of the safety, but I just want to see that happen because it's like uh, enough already with the bullpen – the overdoing the bullpen work and, and babying these guys. So anyway, kudos to you, Garrett Hall. But like let's – all these starting pitchers just keep following suit. Just keep throwing yeah. the ball. Um, my White Sox are in a lot of trouble. They, this time last week, they were in first place in the AL. They had the best record. And then they went on a road trip where they lost every single game and they lost it bad. It included Tim, Tim Anderson. I just said Tim Robertson. Um, Timmy Anderson, he got suspended for like flipping off a player, but he's back. Um, Eloy Jimenez hurt his hamstring, which is never the muscle that you want to hurt. I mean, hurt literally anything else except the hamstring. He's out for six to eight weeks. Luis Roberts is banged up. The good news for the White Sox is they did get Lucas Giolito back. He threw on Sunday, and then the White Sox got walked off on. But he looked pretty good, so that was exciting for the White Sox. At least I'm trying to find the optimism here for my team that looks like they're falling apart and... They finally built a team that could contend, potentially, and um, it doesn't look great, but it is it is early, and it's a long season. And then the final news in baseball was Kyle Schwarber, former Wareham Gateman, go Gateman of the Cape Cod Baseball League. He lit up Angel Hernandez, who everybody knows is the worst Major League Baseball umpire of all time. Some of my favorite childhood memories are Hawk Harrelson just completely reaming him out. Um, just screaming on TV, what the bleep and bleep are you doing? Stop making it about yourself. I think this was warranted. I think we should all applaud Kyle Schwarber. I think we should all be more like Kyle Schwarber. Even though he played for the Cubs, he's no longer with them, so I can like him again. Schwarber is spot on here. I think everyone across baseball realizes this. Uh, part of me wants to ask, like, oh, baseball, like, why are you still employing Angel Hernandez and letting him uh, call games behind the play? And it's like, well, it's the MLB. Everything, every decision they make is the wrong decision. <laughs> um, and I'll say, like, just bring on the robots. Just, like, bring oh. give me the full-blown computers. Oh. Like, it's, I'd rather it be 99% accurate than be what whatever Angel Hernandez is. I'm sure his grades post-game are not great. Um, it's just another bad decision along line of bad decisions for major league baseball uh the the robots is is really tough for me to go all in on but i I hear what you're saying and i think you're right and i think in our lifetime we will see it happen probably sooner rather than later it it is it is tough though i think um they shouldn't be everywhere i i don't know there's still something about like a little league kid playing and an umpire no you don't they don't like that no No. did you have an umpire did you make a couple bucks ump in a game you know but my thing is, like, 
I, it, it will take, it's, we're wasting time. I know, I'm the problem with sport. baseball because I'm nostalgic. I am a problem, and I'm a 27-year-old woman, and, you know, really, it's it's the middle-aged men, but I am nostalgic about baseball, so I'm part of the problem. I'm, I'm just hoping for a world where we can it, cut out, like, oh, well, this team shouldn't have won because of this call, and having people on, you know, Sports Talk Radio or other sports shows complain about, you know, pre- and not just baseball, it's football, and all these other rules, this and that, like, make the rules have uh, uh like how tennis does with like the ball being out of bounds like have that with uh, a bat a chip and a basketball and a football uh and i mean have we the, have electric dog collars can't we do that with the ball like it you know I, I think it's possible i think our strikes like i said if they're if the computers are 99 percent accurate it's better than a lot of these umpires and i think we I, I don't care if you want the human element the human element just causes more turmoil and more arguing and more chaos within sports leagues. If we can get rid of all those arguments and all this nonsense what and just I focus on the actual want, game, it's going to be a lot better. What I don't want is the endless replay reviews. It's just too much. It ruins the pace of play. It ruins the game. I don't want them. And I know people are like, oh, it's important to get it right. But it's just like, even the NBA playoffs, which have been so fun lately, some of these games, like the last minute you're like all right I've, I've had enough between the falling and the review for this and review for that i just please please no just end the game and especially with the sport like baseball if they're gonna do the robots figure out a way to do it where we don't have to have ninety nine thousand reviews over nothing that makes an ending take an hour so. yeah i mean i think there has to be some sort of person uh, like a command center who does the replays in like real time and, and very quickly. And they relay their findings. Like the hub relays their findings to a singular person who can report to the, uh, the, um, the on-field umpires or, but there would be less baseball brawls. And we like, I like baseball brawls. I think they're fun. You can't uh, fight a robot. Uh, maybe once every like a hundred games, uh, a team is forced into, uh, into a brawl. I don't know. My, or I, that's the only thing I could think of. Just the creator role. Like, yeah, we're taking the human element now, but like, we're gonna have the uh, the the machine have one really bad call and uh, just have a guy fight someone else. Like, it just is implemented into the game. Yeah, I think uh, every now and then they're gonna have to like have a pitcher's like a handshake agreement, a gentleman's agreement that they'll throw at each other every once and whenever, Probably. so that we keep baseball brawls alive. Because they, I think that. I think we'd be missing out because they're a different type of brawl than any other sport. They just sort of let them happen. So. Um, I think baseball brawl, baseball without brawls, it would really be over for me, at least. Or we could just have more outfielders yell at the bleacher creatures in Yankee City, and that'll that'll be a fan, that'll be malice in the palace part too. Yeah, and now with gambling, you really have to be concerned about um, all of the money that yeah. everybody we'll just- has. Woj is hiding right now. I think it's just so ridiculous. Like, normal people like you and I, what are we betting? Like, five, ten bucks on games? I know, like, yeah. some of our colleagues are um, bigger-time gamblers, and they bet a lot more. But, listen, I'm not coming after anybody that loses me ten dollars. I'm sorry. Um, so, if someone, if I come after someone, you know it's because, it's not because they lost me a bet. I'll just tell you that right there. <laughs> Okay, everybody, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Thank you to Tim Graham for coming on. You can head on over to extrapoints.com slash arcade to participate in all of our contests. Please rate, review, subscribe. Congratulations to Megan Gailey, who is now a MILF. She's a mom that we'd all like to fuck. And we will see you next week.